the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If you know you've got that relationship with God, that personal relationship, and He is your Father, I, I want to challenge you to do a couple of things. We're encouraging you to be a part of 24-7 prayer, where we get people praying every hour of every day of every week for a year. Welcome to The Barnabas Effect with Paul Purvis, Senior Pastor of Mission Hill Church, a multicultural, multi-generational, multiplying church focused on shining the light and love of Jesus like a city on a hill. You're invited to visit any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. For information and locations, visit missionhill.org. That's missionhill.org. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis. Religion puts the focus on business. Relationship puts the focus on family. Business is transactional. Family is transformational. So you need to decide today, what kind of relationship are you currently pursuing with God? Because the fact that you're here means you're at least not closed off to who God is. But some of you are still interacting with God as if this is a business relationship. Business is what I have. I've got stuff in my pocket or in my wallet, and if I give that to you, then you give me what's in your pocket or in your wallet. Business is what we do at a store, whereas family is who I am. I'm here not because of what I have. I'm here because of who I am. Business is conditional. If I don't like the service, I stop going. Family, at least is supposed to be, is unconditional. Business is about doing. Family is about being. So you want to know where you are in the spectrum? What happens when you pray? And it's not answered the way you think it should be. When you ask God for something and it doesn't happen. You realize that takes place sometimes, right? How many of you have asked God for something and it didn't turn out the way you had hoped? We prayed that someone would not die and they died. We prayed that someone would be healed and they're still sick. We pray that something would come to pass and it didn't. So if I'm in a business relationship with God, when that happens, what do I do? I get angry because he didn't do what he was supposed to do based on what I did. If I'm in a family relationship, I may get anxious, but my anxiety is different. I begin to look inward, and I begin to say, what might I have done to create this situation? Now, the reality is, just so you know, God doesn't always work that way, right? Because he's not the cosmic killjoy. So there's not necessarily something that we've done. Sometimes we don't get our prayers answered the way we like because we live in a fallen world. We know that. Jesus was asked by his disciples, why is this man blind? Who sinned? Did he sin or his parents sin? And Jesus said, this is not about personal sin. He was born this way. The world is fallen. There's sin in this world. And, and sometimes bad things happen. But 
if I've got a family relationship with God, I don't start pointing my finger at him. I begin looking at myself and say, how do I grow in this relationship? So some of you are beginning to realize, I don't think I have a relationship with God. That doesn't mean you haven't been religious. You'll hear this often in our context. I might say you could be Baptist or Catholic or Methodist or Episcopal or Presbyterian or Lutheran or Assembly of God, fill in the blank, whatever, non-denominational. Or I may even say, hey, you may have been through a lot of rituals like church class or first communion or in our Baptist churches. It's raising your hand or walking down the aisles or being dunked in the water, going to a new member class. But that's not the same as a relationship, is it? So how do you get that relationship? How do you get to a place where you could say, our father? It's different than what some think. Because some people today, in fact, I would say the majority of people in the world today think there's only one God, right? Muslims, Christians, Hindus, Buddhists, we all worship one God, right? There's only one father. We're all God's children, right? That's what I heard on Oprah. No. God's the creator of all. But if Scripture is true, and I believe every word of Scripture is true, the Bible makes it very clear that not everybody is a child of God. Listen to the words of Jesus. He says in John 8 and verse 42, If God were your father, you would love me. So at at the very outset, we we see he's talking to people, and he's telling them, God is not your father. If God were your father, you would love me, for I came from God and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? Now, why did he say that? Because apparently they were looking at him going, say, what? You're telling me we're not all children of God? You're telling me all this time I thought I could say to God anything I want and he would hear me, but you're telling me, Jesus, I'm not a child of God? Verse 44, you are your, of your father the devil. What? I'm not only not a child of God, I'm a child of the devil? And your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning. He does not stand for the truth. There's no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he's a liar and the father of lies. Put your seatbelt on because some of you are about to be shaken up a little bit. Some are hearing these words, and you are not a child of God, you're a child of the devil. I know this because when we were born, we were born as children of the devil. (laughs) I recognize I won't become famous for giving a TED Talk saying those words. But that's scriptural. It may not be a TikTok sensation, but it's scriptural. See, when we're born, we're stamped with a nature of sin. It's not just that you do bad things. You are a sinner. That's at the very core of who you are. If that were not be true, we would not need the death, the burial, and the resurrection for Jesus. If we were not stamped with that nature of sin, everything in the New Testament would be invalid. But it is true. The Bible says the only punishment for sin, you ready, is death. The Bible says that that death takes place in hell. And then the Bible says that God doesn't want that for anyone. And that's why Jesus came. Jesus came 
to take the punishment for your sin. There's a big theological word that describes it. It's called propitiation. It it says that when Jesus died on the cross, the wrath of God, the anger over sin of God for your sin and your sin and my sin, it was poured out on Jesus. Jesus really did, as the old hymn says, paid it all. He took it all so that we could be adopted into the family of God. But if you've never really understood that, today, right now, you're a child of your father, the devil. So how do we, how do we switch families? <laughs> how do we get into the family of God? Well, we have to have an adoption story. Some of you know our adoption story. One day I'm going to slow down enough to write it. It's, it's full of miracles and it, it's full of God's grace. It's not easy. It's not always a pretty story, but it's a, it's a God story. And every person who's been adopted into the family of God has an adoption story. And they all look differently, right? For some of us, we were blessed. We didn't do anything. I didn't do anything to earn it or deserve it. But for some reason, I was born into a family that my mom and dad loved Jesus. And I heard about Jesus at an early age. So when I was seven years old, I not only became, I not only was a purpose, I became a child of God. And I did that because I understood that nature of sin in me. And I understood what Jesus did to meet my need of, of punishment. And, and I trusted Jesus. And your, your adoption story may be different if you've had one. Maybe you wandered down a path for much of your life without God. And you've got all kind of pain and all kind of consequences uh, because of that. But the grace of God reached out to you and radically saved you. And because of that, you, you're now part of the family of God. But you've got to have some kind of adoption story or you're not, you're not a child of God. John, in John 1 and verse 12, it says, But to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. They were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. I would ask you, have you been born again? Have you been born into the family of God by being adopted as one of his children? How does that take place? Paul describes it in Galatians 4. Listen to what it says. When the fullness of time had come, God sent his son. He sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. Now stop. Some of you are thinking, Pastor, that's a misprint, isn't it? Or at least it needs to be updated to be gender neutral because didn't God want to adopt us some as sons and some as as daughters? And the answer here is no. Because in the days that these words would have been said, daughters weren't adopted. But sons were. Daughters could be brought into the household. They could kind of be brought into the family, but they wouldn't have any rights. They wouldn't have any privileges, and they certainly wouldn't have an inheritance. But when a son was adopted, they got the seal of the family. And that's why Paul goes on to say, and because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. You're no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. 
He again describes this in Romans 8, and it really gets exciting. For, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you've received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Daddy, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we're children of God. If children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may be glorified with him. You understand what's taking place here? When you're adopted into God's family, your relational status with him changes. God did create the entire planet. Everybody that lives is created by God. He desires a relationship with everyone. But all have not been adopted into his family. But when your story takes place, that status changes for you. I told you about our daughter. We, we first met her when she was two years old. She was blessed to have and is blessed to have very loving and, and generous great-grandparents. But in the midst of this, she was growing up in a, a very difficult birth situation. And in that situation, she had to be taken from her home. She hadn't really been around adults. She had not really been around many other children and because of that, everything about how she communicated had to be told very specifically. Hi, I'm Paul Purvis, the lead pastor of Mission Hill Church right here in Tampa Bay. Thanks for taking the time to listen to today's The Barnabas Effect. It's a ministry intended to encourage, equip, and empower you. You may not know this, but this ministry is made possible because of the generosity of listeners like you. We are able to be on the air because listeners like you are gracious and give to this ministry. Would you consider making a gift today? It would be our honor to send you a gift, a resource, as a result of your gift of any size. And you can make that gift by going to missionhill.org and clicking on the banner that says The Barnabas Effect. That will direct you to a simple way that you can give right there online. Thanks again for listening to The Barnabas Effect today. And now we continue with our message. When we first met her, she, uh, she called me Pastor Paul. That's who I was. That's who I am. Just after she turned three, she began to hang out in our home and in a couple of months kind of live in our home. And we thought because we knew where we were headed, it was okay. And she began to call me dad because she had never called anyone dad. But we're about to celebrate what we call her gotcha day. Her gotcha day is when legally everything changed, and we went to court. And I have to tell you, I told you, I lived a, a pretty blessed life, and I, I've never been in court because I was in trouble. <laughs> no offense to any of you that have, but I, I just haven't. And so I was scared to death because I knew that judge was going to look at us and ask us questions. And that is the day where everything became legal. And after that day, things changed for Anaya. Her behavior didn't change instantly. That was impacted because of the life that she had lived. And you know that's true spiritually, right? Our adoption into God's family doesn't always mean an immediate change in your behavior, but it does always mean an immediate change in your relationship. There's a new intimacy with God. We begin to call him Daddy. There's a new identity with God. 
On that day, Aniah's name changed to Aniah Purvis. On that day. And on the day that you began a relationship with God and you were adopted into his family, your identity changes. You are a child of God. His stamp is on your life. The Bible tells you that the Spirit of God seals you. And nothing can take that away. And bless God, if I was sitting in a seat out there, I would say hallelujah. changes our identity, but it also changes our inheritance. All of a sudden, I have opportunity to receive everything he's got. I mean, just some of you don't understand this, and it's biblical. The Bible says that when you're adopted into God's family, you are joint heirs with Christ. What if you got a notification today that you were joint heirs with Bezos, the founder of Amazon? That'd be kind of exciting, right? I'm going to get the same thing any of his children get. Well, the Bible says that if you are adopted into God's family, it's better than that. You have all the rights, all the privileges. You're no different. And on that day where Anaya's status changed, that's what happened to her. She's my child, and nothing will ever take that away. Nothing will keep her from getting all the blessings and all the benefits, all the perks that her brothers get. It's a personal relationship. And God wants that kind of personal relationship with you. Your relationship with God is personal, but that's just one word in the four words. Let's talk about the first word. He's our father. Did you miss that? You see, Jesus is making a point here. Our relationship with God is personal, but it is not private. You, none of us are intended to be secret agent Christians. That's why we're gathered here, right? That's why when it's healthy and and when we're able and we're safe, corporate worship is important. That's why the Bible says, don't forsake coming together because you need each other. This is something we do together. It's a journey of faith that we bring others along with. There were times where Jesus talked to people and said, now, if you're having personal prayer and you should be personally praying, you say, your father. And and then we knew there were times where Jesus talked about his distinct relationship with God because we are different. We're not God. We're not perfect as Jesus is. And so there are times he said, my father. But in this case, he says, our father. Because we need each other. In a world of rugged individualism, God intends us to be righteously interdependent. We must come together. That's why Jesus, when he prayed for you and me, he didn't pray that we would have our best life now. He didn't pray that we would be rich. He didn't pray that we'd be popular or famous. He prayed that we would be one. So by the way, some of you, you know you're a Christ follower. You know you're a part of God's family, but you look at your prayer life and you think, man, I don't think it's making it past the ceiling. And I don't know why. And for some of you, it's all caught up in this word, our. Because we'll never have an effective relationship vertically with our Father. 
if we have ineffective relationships horizontally with our brothers and sisters. And again, I've been hanging out with profession Christians all my life. And there's a lot of confusion on this. People who think you can just do your thing and be mad at whoever and leave this church or go to that church or have splits and division, get upset, whether it's over politics or race or viruses for Pete's sake. And it doesn't matter. No, that's why Jesus said, hey, when you go to worship, before you start bringing your gifts to the Lord, go make sure you're right with those in your little corner of the world. Our Father. I love this little poem. It says, you cannot pray the Lord's Prayer and even once say I. You cannot pray the Lord's Prayer and even once say my. You cannot pray the Lord's Prayer and not pray for one another. And when you ask for daily bread, you must include your brother. For others are included in each and every plea from the beginning to the end. It it does not once say me. Our Father. Your relationship with God's personal, but your relationship with God was never intended to be private. Finally, our Father in heaven. Why do we have that? Is it about his location? I don't think it is. I think it's more about our motivation. You see, your relationship with God must be seen with a proper perspective. Our Father is in heaven, and yes, this is a place, but in this case, it's not as much about a different place as it is about a different plane. God wants us to understand that while he is with us, he's imminent, it's a theological word, he's also above us, he's transcendent, or he's sovereign, he's different from us. This is not as much about distance as about his difference. Now, what does that mean? He sees things from a different perspective. He's not just our father. Remember how he introduced himself to Moses? He's the great I am. That means he knows what was, he knows what is, he knows what forever will be. That means when you go to him in prayer, he knows what you've been through, he knows what you're facing, and he knows what's going to happen. He already knows the outcome. Please explain that to me, Pastor Paul. I can't. You just got to trust him. He's the great I am. We aren't. But because of that, when I pray, it changes my perspective, right? You see, if I see him as our father in heaven, the one who transcends all, it gives me reason to trust. It gives me hope and confidence and motivation. God, you know everything that is. So, Lord, Please bring this to be according to your will and for your glory. You see what he's saying? When you talk to God, everything hinges on your relationship with him. We've just celebrated the anniversary of 9-11. And one of the things, if you watched many documentaries or much of the news, you realize that on Flight 93, for example, some say that most of the plane began to recite what they called the Our Father. It's kind of hard to realize this. But those words only have meaning to those of us who have been adopted into his family. In fact, 
fact that he's in heaven really only has meaning to those of us who are adopted into his family. So what I want to do is make sure everybody I meet knows the importance of being adopted into his family. So just in case there's any doubt, let me tell you how much God loves you. It says in 1 John in chapter 3 and verse 1, see what kind of love the Father's given us that we should be called the children of God. God loves you so much that he did everything necessary for you to be adopted into his family. You just got to show up and say, I'm ready. You've been listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. The Barnabas Effect is here to provide listeners like you with biblical truth and spiritual encouragement. But it can't be done without your financial support. Go to missionhill.org and click on the Give tab. Your financial support helps us reach those seeking truth about God and themselves. Thank you for giving at missionhill.org. And join us weekdays at 9 a.m. for The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis on Faith Talk AM 570 and 910. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.